open up episode 441 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear with something a little different. Here on Monster Kid Radio, we typically open up every episode with a piece of amazing instrumental surf music from somewhere around the world. I love going online and scouring sites like SoundCloud and Bandcamp looking for new music to introduce to you guys and gals. Well, this time around, we are playing music you already know that but it's not surf music no this time around we're playing a song called transylvania it's from the band the mysterians and it is just one of 32 tracks off a new album from something weird video now if you've been collecting offbeat exploitation genre cinema cult cinema for any period of time you know what something weird video is and They've been doing some soundtrack albums lately, and this is the new record, Spook Show Spectacular A Go-Go. It is a collection of radio spots, spook show ads, as well as some obscure Halloween monster-like music, like this song here. It's a great album. I like it a lot. And, as always, I always ask for permission to play material here on the show. And I did that when I spoke with Lisa Petrucci, the person behind Something Weird Video. When did I talk to her? Oh, for this week's episode. She's on the show this week with Howie Pyro and Mark Peterson. We're going to talk about spook shows, what they are, kind of a brief overview, a little bit of the history, that sort of thing. It was a really fun conversation that I just had with the three of them this past weekend. Skyped a couple of them in, Howie used his iPad to hop into the conversation and you know what? I'm so glad that we were able to make it work out. In fact, this was a conversation that Mark and I have been trying to line up for a while, and it was just a matter of juggling everybody's schedules and getting everything lined up. And lined up it did, so you're going to get that conversation in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Also, wouldn't be an episode of Monster Kid Radio without Kenny's look at famous monsters of Filmland and a bedtime story from Professor Frenzy. So we've got all of that and a few other things along the way. And now, on with the show. Do you believe in ghosts? This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. Comparable Boris Karloff, the personable Mark Damon, and lush and lovely women, even though one is from the netherworld, a vampire, a Vordalak. Black Sabbath, as ancient as superstition, as modern as the telephone. How nice you look with that towel around you. You always did have a beautiful body. Black Sabbath, the bare truth about the unbelievable, such as the brilliant beauty of a priceless jewel that holds within the body of a buzzing fly, a vengeful woman's murderous spirit. Only on the seventh night of the seventh full moon can the living see the lifeless undead. I am hungry. Is he man? Or vampire? 
gunfire. An adventure into black magic that goes beyond the boundaries of the supernatural. And a man's devoted love is welcomed by a woman's deadly lust for his blood. Black Clock Audio Tales is a daily podcast that reads you a story, either a whole short story or a novel, a chapter or two at a time. Join us for our exploration of old ghost stories, supernatural fiction, horror tales, folk tales, fantasy, gothic horror, weird fiction, and cosmic horror. And don't forget to join us for our monthly show about the Cthulhu mythos at the end of the month. Black Clock Audio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Black Clock Audio Tales. Part of darkmyths.org. Thank you. Tonight, meet the twisted genius of Edgar Allan Poe. Experience a terrifying tale of druid witchcraft and the scream that kills. Eye of the Banshee. American International presents new heights in horror never before filmed. Vincent Price stars in this new adventure in Terror and Torture. Don't miss Cry of the Banshee. You'll learn to fear it. Rated GP. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you a story from EC Horror Comics. Today's story is Monster Maker. It is from The Haunt of Fear number 17, the September-October issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Ghastly Graham Ingalls. So sit back and relax while I tell this monstrous tale. Dr. John Ravenscar has been released from his position as Chief Surgeon of London Hospital because he recently lost a couple of patients. Ravenscar was furious at being let go after so many years of successful work. He and his lab assistant, Whitley, decided to travel to his ancestral castle of Ravenscar, which stood at the edge of a cliff and overlooked the moor. He turned his castle's kitchen into an operating laboratory so he could work on an experiment that would surely get him his old job back, the reanimation of a dead body. Ravenscar wanted to put an ape brain into a human body. Looking out of the window, Whitley saw there was a shipwreck at sea and several of the sailors were drowned. The pair went down to the shore and found a deceased seaman. They brought it back to the lab and Ravenscar realized that he had the perfect body to put the ape brain in. As they proceeded with the operation, Whitley dropped the ape brain onto the floor, making it useless for the experiment. Ravenscar was furious with his assistant and told him that he would have to pay for his error with his own brain. The mad doc gave the poor man a needle full of knockout juice, removed his brain, and put it into the drowned sailor, like you do. He brought his electrical equipment to life, which proceeded to bring the dead sailor back to life. The poor creature screamed and thrashed at his bonds and released himself from the operating table. Clearly upset, the blind and confused monster ran out into the moor. Ravenscar followed and was able to tackle him. 
The creature got up, however, and ran to the castle. He went up the winding staircase to the tower. Ravenscar was afraid he would throw himself from the top of the tower and ruin a successful experiment. He was able to catch the monster at the top of the stairs, but as he went to restrain the creature, the brute deftly stepped out of the way, and the mad doctor tripped over his leg and plunged to his death to the rocky shoreline below. The creature turned, smiled, and ran off to the countryside. Did he kill Ravenscar on purpose, or was it an accident? We will never know. The end. I hope you enjoyed that brain-twisting tale. This was a cool twist on the Frankenstein story. It had a brain-dropping assistant, a deranged creature, and a mad scientist that wanted the acclaim of the scientific community. There's an ancient family castle and a bad end for a sociopathic main character. The story might have been a little over-fussy, but all in all, it was a great morality tale. Ingalls's art was typical for his style. Lines are scratchy, perspective is artfully distorted, faces are covered in creepy shadows, and the castle looks moody and foreboding. There's a terrific bright yellow panel showing the monster reanimation scene that has wild sparks coming from Ravenscar's machinery. Also, the expression of the creature after the doc has been killed shows the face of a satisfied lunatic. Very ghastly Graham Ingalls. If you're interested in a copy of The Haunt of Fear Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics and bat books for beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find The Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned and thanks for listening. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. In person, on stage, first time here, three all-new Super Shock shows. Stage show number one, From Beyond the Grave, it's Dr. Evil and his Tears of the Unknown. Unlike anything you have ever seen before, the theater is turned into a graveyard. Your seats become coffins. Weird creatures sit next to you and put their cold, clammy hands around your throat and whisper things in your ears. Live snakes roam up and down the aisles. Inhuman monsters run loose in the audience and cut off the heads of beautiful girls. It's weird and unbelievable. Plus, stage show number two. See in person, The Mummy and King Kong. Famous Hollywood gorilla. Real and alive. We can't advertise what The Mummy does when he grabs beautiful slave girls and the lights go out. But wow, something you never dreamt you'd see anywhere. Warning, girls should not come alone. You will have nightmares for a week. However, the theater management will stop the show anytime it becomes too scary. If you rebuild it, they will go. They burned it down. If you rebuild it, they will come. You didn't hear them? Beg your pardon? The voices? Pete? If you rebuild it, they will go. They blew it up. If you rebuild it, they will go.
they demolished it. If you rebuild it, they will go. But horror has a permanent address. Welcome to my home. The house of Frankenstein lives. You see, uh, we began a project a few years ago, but unfortunately it was it was interrupted. And we're most anxious to take it up again. In September and October, the Fire and Water Podcast Network presents a Supermates tradition, covering four classic horror films and four related comic book adventures. I must find more victims before my work is done. You need look no further, vampires. We'll take the bat jet to the Hall of Justice and transform the other super friends. <laughs> Featuring an all-star cast. James Spader. What are you, crazy? Jack Nicholson. Oh, just marking my territory. Anthony Hopkins. She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness. Lon Chaney Jr. One becomes accustomed to the darkness here. Michelle Pfeiffer. You're afraid that when it gets dark, you'll attack me. Vincent Price. Let's, uh... See what the rest of this mausoleum looks like. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Enters freely of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Winona Ryder. I almost feel pity for anything so hunted as this count. Peter Cushing. I am a doctor of medicine, law, and physics. To the best of my knowledge, doctorates are not awarded for witchcraft. But if ever they are, no doubt I shall qualify for one. And Keanu Reeves. Doctor! This Halloween, visit our field of screams at the scenic house of Franklinstein where terror is only a listen away. (laughs) The She-Beast. Deadlier than Dracula. Wilder than the werewolf. More frightening than Frankenstein. Another victim of a strange revenge. Wreaked on the innocent from beyond the grave. Hurling a town into a terrifying struggle against the powers of darkness. The witch Verdella, known to be dead for centuries, comes to blood-chilling life before disbelieving eyes, unleashing all manner of monstrous evil in the town in which she was supposed to have breathed her last. Starring Barbara Steele, Mel Wells, and co-starring John Carlson. You'll see a monster in human form. So here's a random thing to talk about, kind of. Those of you who follow me on Facebook, if we're Facebook friends, or you follow what Monster Kid Radio's up to over there, you might have seen me post about this. Brenda and I have cable and we go through Comcast. And, you know, I know Comcast gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons about a lot of things. And overall, we haven't been overly disappointed with what they offer us. And our package with cable is bundled into our internet, so we're kind of stuck with a lot of what we have. But recently, they made some changes. If you are a Comcast subscriber, you probably know at this point that uh, they decided to bundle Turner Classic Movies with their sports and entertainment package, which, you know, no offense. I'm not judging anybody if you're into sports. I mean, I think it's been made pretty clear here on the show over the past 
several years that I'm not really a sports person. I really don't know much about sports ball. You know, I watch a lot of professional wrestling. That's about as sportsy as I get. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I called Comcast to see what was up and, and they explained to me what happened. It's a really bad time of year for this to happen, especially for us monster kids, because it's October and TCM is just knocking it out of the park with monster movies all month long. And as we get closer to Halloween, man, they are just ramping it up. And I mean, there are some movies that I wouldn't necessarily consider Halloween fair, like the kaiju films, but there are still monster movies playing on TCM. And, you know, to make this change in the middle of the month, kind of quietly without really telling a lot of people, uh, it seemed a little off. And, it was incredibly disappointing. Now, when I called and spoke to the woman at Comcast, my customer service representative was named Reagan. And I only remembered that because, well, Reagan was the little girl in The Exorcist. But Reagan was cool. I explained to Reagan that I know she didn't make any of these decisions, didn't really pull the trigger on moving TCM to sports and entertainment. So I wasn't upset with her, and I asked for her patience as I expressed my anger with the whole situation. Now, she wasn't really able to tell me who really made the decision to move things over the way they did, other than that they decided to rebundle things when contracts came up with Turner Classic Movies. I think at one point she might have even said that Turner Classic Movies was at fault for having their channel bundled with sports and entertainment, but I think she could tell I was getting more and more upset. So she and I'm making air quotes, found a loophole for me. <laughs> I don't know if it really was a loophole or if just some sort of internal memo went out saying, hey, customers might call up upset about this, so if that happens, offer them this instead. I got my Turner Classic Movies back along with the rest of the sports and entertainment channels, and I don't think I'll ever visit them unless they show pro wrestling, but I got it back. I got faster internet, and they knocked a couple of dollars off my monthly bill. And my price is guaranteed for two years. And I don't know, again, if this is really a loophole that Reagan just happened to find or if it was something that was more official. But if you are a Comcast user and you found that you just lost Turner Classic Movies earlier this month because of what they were doing, give them a call, I guess is what I'm saying here, and see what they can do for you. Hashtag not sponsored. Ultimately, Brenda and I would like to cut the cord and go streaming with everything or even over the air if we have to. Because there are a lot of channels that we just don't watch. In fact, we probably watch more YouTube and Netflix than anything else. There's just every once in a while we want to watch something on network television or one of the higher up channels. So eventually we will be cutting the cord. And that's the other topic I wanted to mention or discuss here. If you have cut the cord. If you are no longer paying for cable, but still watch cable television through things like Hulu, Sling TV, Roku, Amazon, Netflix, whatever, I personally would love to gently pick your brains about finding the best service for us. There are a lot of YouTube videos out there and a lot of tutorials out there that we followed, but I'd much rather speak with one of my fellow monster kids about what the best options might be down the line. Either way, for now, I have Turner Classic Movies for Halloween. So that's the plus. Shock. After shock. After shock. After shock. Warning. After shock. The sexual transformation of a man into a woman will actually take place before your very eyes in Dr. Jekyll. And Sister Hyde. A man by day. A woman by night. The perfect disguise to indulge a lust for sex and violence. Dr. Jekyll. And Sister Hyde. 
An American International Pictures release in color rated PG. Was he a woman? Was she a man? Or no were way. they both? The man they are burying in a subterranean world of horror is a victim of the Oblong Box. Now, for the first time, Vincent Price and Christopher Lee star in Edgar Allan Poe's tale of the living dead, The Oblong Box. The Oblong Box in color from American International is rated M. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game. My goal is to recreate the thrills of the monster vs. monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, and scheming madmen. And that's just in the first storyline. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just two dollars, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon link. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we will continue our look at movies covered by FM with issue number 8 from September of 1960. Once upon a time there was a spook, a phantom, an ectoplasmic spirit, and ten other otherworldly wraiths who get together with producer William Castle and made a movie. Meet your host, The Thirteen Ghosts. The only film covered in issue 8 in an 8-page article with 8 photos and concept drawings of the 13 title characters. The preview starts with this. Columbia has come up with a shocker to scare Whistler's mother off her rocker. Last year, you screamed your lungs out in fear when the tingler got loose in the theater and you could actually feel it vibrating beneath your seat. Now, if you can take it, there's a greater thrill in store for you. The first film in Phantoscope with Eluciano. 13 Ghosts. To mastermind this macabre melodrama, Columbia commissioned the world-famous fearless medium Madame Sylvania Trance to go to the house on Haunted Hill and obtain the services of William Castle. Madame Trans was never heard from again, but shortly thereafter, in the 19 March 60 issue to be exact, the Saturday Evening Ghost featured an article on the Karloffian Mr. Castle. They called him the master of movie horror. He once aspired to replace Lon Chaney as a horror actor. Instead, he's become number one horror producer. Castle's latest blood-curdling concoction is an action-filled seance fiction film of menacing spirits of the dead who threaten to frighten the living out of their skins. The article continues with a brief synopsis which thankfully does not give away the ending, and concludes with these comments. It's alright to be scared to death by my gimmicks, says Horror King Castle, but better stay alive so you can see how I top myself in my next Monsterama. Man, that castle. He must have discovered Aladdin's magic lamp. 
the number of ingenious tricks he has up his slave. Yes, I read that right. It says slave. Was it a typo or another really bad pun? You be the judge. So was 13 Ghosts covered on Monster Kid Radio? Castle's classic House on Haunted Hill was the 53rd film covered and The Tingler was the 95th film. But 13 Ghosts has not received the royal MKR treatment. So what you waiting for, Derek? That's all for this week's look at Famous Monsters. This is Kenny for MKR. We will have more next week. Adios! Listen to William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. And you will too. When you come to this theater and see my picture, 13 Ghosts. When you see 13 Ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer like this, which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. It will let you see all 13 of our weird, wonderful, and wildly assorted ghosts. Now, brace yourself as we take you across the threshold of our haunted mansion, where there's a ghost for everyone in the family. Father, mother, sister, brother. You'll be scared stiff too when you see what they see. 13 ghosts materializing in ectoplasmic color through the magic of Illusiono. Here in person tonight, White Horse Drive in Theater, The Trial of the Dead. 18 living nightmares leap from the stage. All lights go out and the monsters are released from their coffins. They may grab you. Victims from the audience will be thrown from the stage a piece at a time. Human heads chopped off. Jungle worms and swamp rats run around your feet. Extra on stage, back from the grave. The spirit materialization of Bruce Lee, king of kung fu. It's real. On stage, not a movie. You may need help. Help! Help! Tonight, White Horse Drive-In Theater. Vampires, werewolves, zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. within each of us is a secret desire to destroy. Each of us would like to be able to become the other being, to know the master makeup artist's magic. How to make a monster. Broadway's stellar performer Robert H. Harris brings to this theater the most terrifying of men, a man whose mind is distorted by hatred. I'll use the very monsters they mock to bring them to an end. This maniacal strength will linger in your arms and hands. And with it, you'll destroy your real enemies. Exactly as I instruct you. 
Pending autopsy findings, I would say that he was attacked from behind by someone with fiendish strength. So what do we have to do? Look for a monster? We're not talking about actors. We mean a real monster. Behind the scenes in Hollywood's wonderland of make-believe where pretty girls parade their pulchritude, terror stalks with the stealthy steps of death. And death following death permeates the very air you breathe with horror. See the master monster maker's chamber of horrors in color. How to make a monster. Good midnight, everybody. I want to welcome some new people and an old friend to Monster Kid Radio to talk about something that, man, I wish I could see in person. We're going to talk about spook shows. And, uh, you know, let's introduce the, the crew that I have with me today. Uh, you, you've heard him before. He goes by the name of Dr. Tongue. He takes us to the world of monster collectibles every other week. Mark Peterson, how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I'm really excited because... I've got two new voices to add to the Monster Kid Radio mix. Oh, yeah. She is the person behind Something Weird Video. I, I met her briefly for about 30 seconds at a convention years ago. This is the first time I've actually had a chance to talk with her. Lisa Petrucci, welcome to Monster Kid Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> getting a lot of sound effects from Howie. So. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got, he's got, a, he's your one man fan club. <laughs> well, this works out well because uh, I'm going to use that as a segue to introduce Howie Pyro. How you doing, man? Oh, good midnight to you, young American horror, blah, 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 peoples. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. Excellent. Well, I appreciate everybody taking the time to do this and, and to do this joint Skype call. Fingers and tentacles crossed. We won't have any technical issues. And uh, yeah, we'll just talk about spook shows. But one thing that we do on the show, before we get into the main topic, every week we play a little game or a conversation starter with everybody. It's an icebreaker, basically. It's called the Classic Five. And the way it works works is like this and dr tongue knows how this works already because he's done it repeatedly the classic five is a game i've got a deck of cards here each one of these cards has a this or that or what, what movie do you prefer style question on them there are no wrong answers it's just kind of a way to kind of talk about classic monster movies and get us all warmed up are you guys ready to play a round of the classic five with monster kid radio okay let's do it all right here we go card number one question number one and we're just going to go around here what is your favorite roger corman film and, uh, you know, we'll do it in the order that I introduced everybody. So, Mark, we're going to start with you. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's easy. Yeah, well, everybody else has to gets to think about it. I have the guy blurt mine right out. Uh, God, no. I can blurt. Film. Oh, God. We won't like, honestly, I'm drawing a blank right now. You, you know who Roger Corman is, right, Mark? <laughs> uh, who? <laughs> who? <laughs> Well, there's so many. That's the problem. I know, that's the problem. Um, uh, I want to go. I just watched it recently. Comedy of Terrors. Starring Vincent Price, who, inspired by a seductive woman, is overpowered with lust to kill. Peter Laurie, too sensitive for both the life he lives and the lives he takes. Mm, Butterfingers. Boris Karloff, the ancient one. With a fount of sweet memories. Alexander the Great embalmed in honey, so they say. <laughs> Abundantly blessed, Joyce Jameson, an unhappy, unkissed bride. Aren't you coming to bed? 
husband? There you go. There are no wrong answers, and Comedy of Terrors is great. Lisa, what about you? A bucket of blood. Oh, nice. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, you can say it, too. You can say it, too. We've shared the same brain, so that oh, <laughs> just has to surprise me. The artist. The poet. The figure model who loves to show it. He could be physically attracted to her? No, man, he ain't the type. He don't get enough vitamin E. All these are beat. All these you'll meet in a bucket of blood. I can't believe you just said that out of the 10,000 Roger Corman movies. <laughs> a bucket of blood is good. I'm partial to the Haunted Palace. That's my favorite, so. To what? The Haunted Palace. Oh, yeah. Big fan of that one. All right, so uh, we'll start with Lisa on this next round, card number two. Which movie do you prefer? Which one do you like better? I Was a Teenage Werewolf or I Was a Teenage Frankenstein? I Was a Teenage Frankenstein. Really? Okay. Is there a reason why you like that one better than Werewolf? It's a little bit more offbeat. I mean, they're both kind of offbeat, but um, I was fine. it's really weird that you even mentioned that because somebody came by yesterday to borrow some 16-millimeter films from me for a Halloween show here in Seattle, and that was one of the ones that they pulled. So I'm like, whoa. Wow. These kind of things are like uncanny when it happens. I want him to know and feel pain. What I create, I must control. Go on, activate this body. With Bissell, demonic as Professor Frankenstein, who creates out of human parts the most terrifying creature to walk the earth today. What about you, Howie? Which one do you like better? As a film, maybe I was a teenage werewolf, even though How to Make a Monster is my uh, one of my all-time favorite movies because you get to go behind the, behind the scenes of both of those movies. You get a little bit of both, yeah. But the one thing I can say about I was a teenage Frankenstein is as a 10-year-old, it was really easy to make a G.I. Joe or anything into <laughs> I was a teenage Frankenstein with a soldering iron. <laughs> <laughs> good point good no, point play down and a fake eye <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's not like a real Frankenstein he's his own Frank so that's one of the yeah. I like it it's still his own gloppy falling apart yeah play face teenage Frankenstein there with muscles they, yeah well yeah important <laughs> Yeah. What about you, Mark? I gotta, I'm gonna go Teenage Werewolf since nobody picked it. So, I did no. really. But... Oh, you did really. Actually, I the funny thing I was gonna say how to make a monster because I like seeing all the the old Blaisdell stuff sitting up on the wall. You know the AIP monsters and the masks and stuff at the end when the when the uh, in flaming color. In flaming color, exactly. Right. You know? But I gotta I gotta go with uh, Werewolf myself because I just like seeing Michael Landon as Being the troubled bad. the troubled youth. <laughs> I was a teenage werewolf, the most terrifying picture of our time. I was a teenage werewolf, fantastic, bewildering, a motion picture to stand beside the greatest horror stories of all time. I was a teenage werewolf. Card number three, question number three, which show do you prefer, Twilight Zone or The Night Gallery? And we'll just start with Howie on this one. Twilight Zone. Any any particular reason why that one more than Night Gallery? I think the black and white gives it just, just gives it that that dreamy quality that makes it so much more of a in the space that it's supposed to be in. You know. Okay. Uh, and what about you, Mark? I love Twilight Zone. Love you know 
But I got to go with Night Gallery. Uh, I grew up watching it on TV. Just the stories and the the paintings and how they interpreted them. I, I just really like that show. Okay. I'm with Mark on that one. Yeah? Yeah, I love Twilight Zone, too. But something about Night Gallery and, like, when you were a kid and seeing those first run, like, they were scary if you were a kid. And, uh, I mean, obviously, the, pa- the whole painting part is, like... Obviously, appeals to me. <laughs> I realized that they weren't first run when I saw Twilight Zone as a kid. I don't know if I even realized that now that I think about it. Probably in this indication by that time. Yeah, but I don't think I realized or even conceived of the concept that they were old, older. Yeah. But actually, it's Thriller is the one that I like better than them all. Yeah, Thriller's yeah. got some good stuff. Oh, some great episodes. Love them. Not an option. Not an option. I'm just saying. You're leading the witness. <laughs> there are no wrong <laughs> answers. There are no wrong answers in this game. All right. Uh, back to Mark with card number four. Mark, which movie do you prefer? The Amazing Colossal Man or Attack of the 50-Foot Woman? Uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Come on, Allison Hayes. Man. Yeah. I have actually have an impression of the hand that I do all the time. So, <laughs> the big, giant yourself. hand. Just like, you know, just... <laughs> wobbles out there it's just you know it's like it's so campy you know and they're done obviously in similar styles but it's like you know definitely 50 foot woman Harry, you know (laughs) what about you lisa oh attack of the 50 foot woman i mean allison hayes i mean right there but Mm. also it's a lady centric horror movie so i like any lady centric ones you know for that era they there weren't really a lot so yeah no the Navy versus the Night Monsters. Oh, I love that movie so much. <laughs> Try to find it. I can't find it. It's tough to find. Yeah. But, but of those two, Howie, which one do you prefer? Colossal Man or 50-Foot Woman? It would have to be 50-Foot Woman, definitely. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky a titanic monster whose fearsome touch became a frightful curse. <laughs> she saw was beyond belief until others, too, faced its hideous, uncontrollable menace. Attack of the 50-foot woman, incredibly huge, with incredible desires for love and vengeance. Well, War of the Colossal Beast, on the other hand, that face, wow. Yeah. That's really incredible. One of the most incredible, but uh, yeah, Allison Hayes, come on. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to close this out with our last question in the Classic Five, going back to Lisa. What's your favorite Barbara Steele film? Oh, Black Sunday. Yeah, that's what most people say. I do like Terror Creatures <laughs> from the Grave, too. So either one of those. Okay. What about you, Howie? Oh, that's a tough one. I'll have to go with Black Sunday. Okay. And, and Mark, funny thing is, is that like, I think that's the one that she's known for so much, you know, Black Sunday. And like the second you asked the question, I'm like, oh, Black Sunday. The sound you hear is dripping blood. This is the start of Black Sunday. Black Sunday comes but once every hundred years. On that day, the undead demons of hell rise to unleash an orgy of evil on the world. From Nikolaj Gogol's great classic, American International Pictures presents Black Sunday, the most frightening motion picture you have ever seen. 
she was murdered 500 years ago. There in the barren waste that was her cemetery, they nailed the mask of Satan to her face. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has there been such an unspeakable day and night as Black Sunday. To be honest, I you know I love Barbara Steele, but I'm not really up on a lot of her films. Sure. Huh. Just being you honest. could say, you know, yeah. She's one of these people that I love everything that I've seen her in, but in terms of her filmography, I, I just am not as up uh-huh. as I would like to be. Uh, although I will say that over the past two weeks, I've probably watched The She-Beast four or five times oh, now. Oh, yes. Which is not That's one of her best, I- but still. <laughs> and I know she's only in it for like a day, but still. She-Beast has incredibly cool lobby cards. Yes. They're pink and green mm-hmm. and purple and green. Oh, neat. Oh, yeah. The most recent thing I've watched with her was um, that Dark Shadows reboot where she plays Dr. Hoffman, and that was kind of a tough watch. Ugh. Why is that? <laughs> not not a fan? or? Well, no, it was okay. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I'm a... This is the biggest Dark, Dark Shadows fan. in the world ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you're talking to like, probably with the biggest Dark Shadows fan in, in the world right now, Derek. Oh, you know what's I, I love Dark Shadows, so I'm not. I'm just curious. Okay. Well, so. I was doing something with Robin Boogie, Boogie, however he pronounces his name, from Cinema Sewer, and um, I was reading an interview, and Olga, you know, from Olga's House of Shame, it was in Dark Shadows. Yeah, she was in like some of the blue whale scenes. Oh wow! Yeah, she was always like a kind of a supporting actor. I've got to go back and see that. Yeah. Well, every December here on Monster Kid Radio, we, we do nothing but Dan Curtis stuff. So I'm sure we'll be talking about Dark Shadows again later this year, listeners. So stay I, tuned. <laughs> why is that documentary so boring? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't cracked it open yet. I've been sitting on it until I get closer to when I'm going to talk uh, about Dan Curtis during Dan December. So we'll see. Well, it was, it's fine. I like the people who made it. Very, so very out of it. Very diplomatic so of you, Lisa. Uh, there wasn't any new information in it. Oh, okay. If, if you're like a nerd like we are about that stuff, so. Well, let's nerd out about something else. Let's talk about spook shows. And, you know, I think most people kind of sort of know what a spook show is, but I'm just going to throw it out to you guys and gal. What's a spook show? It's almost like a kitty matinee for adults. <laughs> it was derived from magic shows. Uh, it's a it's a magic show with spooky uh, overtones. overtones, and as time went on, it became less and less any form of magic, and just like a flat out, you know, screaming like movies did, you know, cutting off a chunk of an arm and throwing it at the audience, <laughs> you know, kind of gory. But as time went on, also teenagers became more and more rotten, and and went to destroy the spook show by throwing stuff at Frankenstein. And, oh, no. You know, the same way that they tried to wreck William Castle. No, basically, it just came out of, came out of pretty much um, the demise of vaudeville, right? Yeah, or magic. The, the, the like vaudeville ma- magicians needed yeah. somewhere to go, so they, you know. Well, it was a, it's show. a different generation, but right. close. Yeah, the very the next generation. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I mean they started in the 1930s, kind of adding the horror uh, themes to the magic shows, and then by the 1950s they were 
pretty much full on horror shows with like some magic and some gimmicks tossed in for good measure. And then by the sixties, it just was like a free for all of anything, but usually still horror themes in there, whatever the, the teeners wanted to get involved with and have fun and whatnot. Right. When they went with the times, I guarantee that they probably went over better than uh, when they stayed real, real old-fashioned than, like, you know, in the rock and roll era. I don't think kids were having it. Well, basically, I mean, like I said, a simple answer would be it was a, mag- a spook magic show with a B-movie thrown in. Yeah, and with all kinds of, like, wacky gimmicks tossed in for good measure, like prizes and contests and... Basically, it's like the, the advertising campaigns for these things were what got people in the door. It was like that whole, like, sell the sizzle and not the steak. So you <laughs> promised all these really horrific, awful, scary things that you were going to get to see. And then when you got there, it was just like a really, really hokey, low-budget magic show with a movie. I'll read you. This is a poster for uh, Giant Triple. And Triple is spelled wrong, of course. Giant Triple Terror Show on stage. Special Extra added attraction twist contest. What? what? Winner re- will receive a real dead body. And then, you know, they get a chicken. That was part of the, the ballyhoo of the whole thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, or uh, what was it a live baby? Yeah, you get a baby chick. You get a baby chicken. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, one of the things that I love about these spook shows is you get to see all these, uh, like these trailers and hear the radio ads and somebody just released a bunch of them on CD recently. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. And DVD. Uh, And DVD. Yeah. Uh, you hear these things and they just sound so ridiculously over the top. The real live body, a lucky volunteer will have his head cut off in front of the audience. See all this, the monsters come out and grab people. This is not something that would fly today as in most exploitation as you probably know but 10 times so the art and the genius of the spook shows in the advertising it was all 90 percent advertising and 10 percent show you had to get the rubes in somehow Exactly. But I mean, but the, it was so the advertising was so crazy over the top. I don't know how that originated. I've never really thought about it. But the advertising is so bizarre and so much more than a movie because in a movie, you know, it has a story and a beginning and a middle and an end that's set because it's it's been made and it's a movie. But a spook show, there's no promise to fulfill. except that they're supposed to be scare you with whatever they're going to be showing right you can't hold them to it you know what i mean so the ad is everything yeah so between the posters and then if you know you were looking through the newspaper say circa 1955 and you see an ad for a spook show if you're a kid or a teenager i'm sorry you want to go to that thing because that's even right now (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i'm not a kid nor a teenager and i'd go in a hot minute if there's one right now (laughs) Exactly. Or um, the radio spot ads that they would have that kids would probably hear on the radio or if they were in the theater and they were at some other show and they saw a coming attraction for a spook show. I mean, that would just get them in the door. Just that. All of these things. The trailers are better than any movie trailer ever made. The posters are better than any movie posters ever made. They're pop art. They have day glow ink. They have bizarre. I mean, like they're they're. So, so, so weird. 
It's just over the yeah. top imagery. It was like it was stuff that was actually, you know, made for the spook shows too. They would take stuff from uh, image of Frankenstein or an image of a mummy and then change it. Well, the other thing too that there were like rights issues with stuff, so they couldn't like have universal monsters, but they it's... could call something like you know, Frankenstein and let's say like actor's depiction of or whatever. <laughs> right. Actor portrayal. You know, have a disclaimer there. But yeah, I mean, everything was definitely like done on the cheap and there was all kinds of guidebooks that, you know, any of these, um, what they would call spook masters or ghost masters had. I mean, there was like dozens and dozens of these guys and they all had their own specific shows. I mean, there was a lot of crossover in the types of things that they did. But I mean, obviously, you want to set yourself apart from the other dudes. So I mean, some of our favorite are like Philip Morris, who was Dr. Evil. And um, Howie and I both knew somebody named Jim Ridnar, who was kind of second generation spook master who got into it in the late 50s and early 60s. And yeah. just seeing like, him run with it and his cronies and Don and the guy named Don Davison was another time. Excuse me, guy that time. But before that, I mean, there was dozens and dozens of these guys. I mean, the, I guess the most famous one was Jack Baker and yeah. he's considered like the godfather of spook shows and pretty much set the bar for everybody else. There was a lot of names that and a lot of them were the same people you know going out you know the same show with the same name and the same poster could be held in four different places at once or 20 different places at once oh okay yeah these things were taken out on the road i mean it wasn't like your town had its own spook show it's like yeah the spook guys like went regionally all over the place and sometimes it, it wouldn't be the same guy playing dr macabre it might be one guy one night and then another guy another night so okay. the show is pretty much the same and the posters are also generally for most of these things and it's crazy because they were a lot of them are hand silk screened and gorgeous you know they're 40 by 60 they're way bigger than a regular movie poster and they're truly like uh pieces of art no one's ever really known or found out or gotten into the production of these posters and where they were obviously all done by the same people because you can tell by the style um yeah and the quality of the paper and ink and yeah. kind of stuff oh i love the design i love the look of those posters no one's ever delved into who originally designed them you can see like if you like me and lisa have so many of these posters you can see where someone um just like on those magazines from the 70s like tales of voodoo and weird and all those monster magazines where they would cut the art up on the covers and repaste them over and over and over again and and that happened a lot with the posters like the the real cheapo guys would take someone else's poster and like cut the girl off and put her in another corner and give her a different name and take the head and move it over there you know what i mean and well, something really punk rock about that, too. I mean, yeah. think about like, you know, I actually have a few of the original paste ups for these things. And it's like so slipshod and you know, like completely yeah. primitive. And yeah, I mean, they were just recycling a lot of the same imagery over and over again. Well, they did that with the radio spots, too, and the and the trailers, too, didn't they, Lisa? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like you'll hear some of the same background music in them or even, you know, you might have one Spookmasters coming attraction and they'll be like, you look at somebody else's and it's the same imagery in some cases, like they just kind of lifted it from each other. So there was a lot of repurposing going on. Well, they came from, you know, like a, a trailer house, probably the same one who had a set of images like those generic album covers that you 
exactly. uh, like a lounge singer's record, and then they all have the design, and then they print the name on top of it. It was very similar to that, but again, a lot of the earlier trailers had that sort of really gorgeous art, that kind of 30s soft um, yeah, illustration style that looked very, yeah. Yeah, I mean, which gave it an even more spooky quality because like you, you feel like you're looking at something like, ooh, that's old and creepy. Yeah, like that super soft kind of a, a heavy, heavy like pencil blend old illustration style that, that really was not used after the 40s, I don't think, you know, but they were still using a lot of those that also gave them a weird quality because they were so out of time um, in the 50s and 60s. Uh, but they're really gruesome and really, really weird, like pulp-era uh, pulp uh, illustrations. Yeah. You know, like, I do like that retro look. You're right. They have that kind of illustrative, very kind of soft. Like, there's something... You're seeing something that you wouldn't normally see during the day at the movie theater. There's something a little darker or more forbidden about the whole thing. And then you hear about seeing the spirit of Bruce Lee materialize on stage. And you're like, oh, I got to go see that. I want to know how that was done. I want to know what they did to show us Bruce Lee on this. Do either one of you have or any of you have insight on that? There's a bunch of tricks that they had. There was James Dean. There was Marilyn Monroe. There was uh, there was a James Bruce Bond. Lee, there was Bruce Lee. <laughs> the there was the Beatles. Which Wasn't they did an Elvis for a while until they got sued, right? Yeah, and, they, and, and, uh, and Elizabeth and Lady Taylor, Godiva, who couldn't sue. Uh, right. Naked <laughs> <laughs> chick. Uh, Come on. You know there there was that old trick where you have the plastic overhead projector, see through plastic illustration. You know. Yeah, like the overhead projectors you used at school. But they'd have it in a big flashlight. They can move it around the wall or on the curtain, whatever, in a blackout. <laughs> There's Every spooksho had a blackout at one point. All the lights in the whole theater went out, and everything was completely black. And then there was all kinds of glow-in-the-dark painted uh, stuff on sticks. Luminescent and, uh, things, yeah. And that's yeah. what some of the um, transformations were, like, heads on paddles. So they'd be, like, a photograph that was painted with luminous paint on, like, a black background on a paddle. So, like, the person would walk across the stage and, like, kind of make it move around like it was a boost or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> as well. I can imagine in a... If I, I don't know how old you guys are, but if you've ever, ever been into an, a real movie theater that hasn't been chopped in tents, that has uh, 1,800 seats, that was sold out with lines going up the block, filled with screaming teenagers, you know, it must have been, that's the part that must have been wonderful, you know, not not so much the show. Yeah, the experience. <laughs> it really does feel like more like an event, like going to a concert or something, as opposed to just going to see it for the movie or or the magic show. It really feels yeah, like very it. much so. And about the the posters and stuff, like the lobby displays in the fronts of these theaters uh, looked like amusement park rides. I mean, they just were like mental, you know, because they the roadshow guys would bring everything with them and then deck out the front of the theater to get all the rooms in. And then usually the lobbies were filled with all kinds of displays and gimmicks. And, and like, so. yeah, we have photos of stuff where it's just like Dr. Satan. You know? <laughs> and it's like a 40 foot wide, um, you know, like where they would cover the entire front of the building of the theater. And all you could see was the doorways, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, or like the 40 ticket by 60 lobby displays in there. Oh, and man, that would be like, amazing dude, to see. Massive. 
massive, massive, massive hand-painted, handmade banners like that are just massive, you know, like, and, and I mean, even a photo of that is so exciting to look at, you know, like, it's just like, God, could you imagine walking up to that? <laughs> so when it comes to the spook shows, I, I don't, you know, I don't think any of us would have been around to have seen it originally when, it, when they were going. They, they ran up through the 70s, though, didn't they? Yes. Uh, sparsely, but yeah. In yeah. a literal sense, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've got ads dated up to the, up to the mid-70s, but I think that they were few and far between. I mean, what was happening is in the movie theaters and, you know, up until like the late 1950s, early 1960s, like you could still go to a movie theater and have that huge group experience. And then by the early 1960s, more people are staying home and watching TV. So a lot of the spook shows were just going to the drive-in. So like a lot of the spook masters would bring their own stages along. So they were kind of downsizing by the 1960s. At first, I think that they figured it would be a um, something that would work which is why they went strong for a little while, because it was something that couldn't be on TV, right? So they were like, they'll come out for this, you know what I mean? Because you can't see this as on TV like a movie. This is, you know, a live experience only. But it didn't really work, because people are jaded, and, you know... By it was just point, too hokey, I think, by a certain yeah. time. Like, I mean, young kid, like, if you were a teenager, you were like, oh, that's just silly. Like, that's something for little kids, maybe by the, the late mm -hmm. 60s, which is why you know, kind of gearing it towards rock and roll music or pop culture in the 60s really helped the spook shows because, you know, they could stay relevant that way. Some of the posters are pretty get pretty salacious around the, the late 50s, early 60s anyway, right? Yeah, well... I gotta yeah. get him in the door somehow. Well, of course. Six it's like, four, it's nine, like the, you know, yeah, you know, like... <laughs> a lot, but a lot of it too is always it was always geared towards the boyfriend, you know. Like, ladies, make sure you have a male escort, or bring your boyfriend and find oh, out how crazy is. As many tickets, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. There's that. There's that. Or Donna Haynes, six foot four. Oh yeah, with headset. <laughs> that was that was, that was actually one of my favorite posters, man. I love that That's poster. Great, great, Which great, is that exactly. poster? What is that for? It's for it's a Living Nightmares show. Okay. And yeah. In the um. With main character Donna Haynes, like this, this giantess who, you know, <laughs> like I have a lot of photos. Statuesque of model. She yeah. was a <laughs> um, and I have a bunch of promo photos of her. Um, she really was like humongously tall. And um, that was her gimmick. It's so scary. We dare you to see the monsters crash the pajama party. The first movie ever filmed in horror vision. Hollywood's latest miracle. You'll scream as fiendish movie monsters actually become alive, then crash right out of the screen, go into the audience and carry screaming girls from their seats right back into the picture to become part of the movie. We warn you, horror vision is not 3D. The movie monsters become real flesh and blood. Be sure to see the monsters crash the pajama party in horror vision and color. So I think I first became of what spook shows were and all that through a DVD that something weird put out. When I got my hands on the monsters crash the pajama party dvd i was that was spectacular yeah that's awesome i had no idea that this was such a big thing until i started exploring that which by the way lisa that dvd you also was amazing. had no idea how hard it was to watch a dvd before you i love it though <laughs> i mean it's like it's like a scavenger hunt you know you go through every single screen trying to find stuff and i mean that, do you think you've seen it all even now probably Ooh. not no, <laughs> probably not thank, thanks mike 
<laughs> well, I mean, up until that time, I mean, most people were familiar with spook shows from either seeing some paper or from Mark Walker's Ghostmasters book. So which that is was a great prior book, to by the way. Amen. Yes, and it's kind of the gold standard for learning anything about spook shows. And Mike Brainy and I, I mean, and mostly like you know, this Monsters Crash Pajama Party spook show spectacular TV was because of him. I mean, okay. besides the fact that he was a big fan of spook shows, he was able to collect enough original 35 millimeter coming attraction promos to be able to put on a, a volume of a DVD, as well as like all the extra materials that kind of supported it. And we got to know, you know, at the time, Don Davison ended up giving us his collection of 35 millimeter uh, films to add, you know, to put in there. And he ended up interviewing like Philip Morris and you know, a whole bunch of other people. So I think Harry Weiss was another person that got interviewed for the Spook Show DVD. Anyway, it's pretty much the definitive like visual document or like, you know, like four spook shows. Anybody who like loves spook shows has that DVD. And if they don't, you know, that's a sacrilege. <laughs> it's probably the only DVD that gets voted on as like the best DVD presentation of all time ever. I don't even think other DVDs get in the running or there's even a, another one anywhere near like that DVD. I think it's the only DVD that's been presented as almost like a game. The packaging and the presentation with like the Easter egg menu and whatever. I mean, it's it all kind of goes along with like the, the idea of spook shows where, you know, it is yeah. this, you know, kind of joyous thing. And I think we wanted to make it like fun for everybody on, on many, many le levels as well. The menu itself. I mean, it just, just try or lack of <laughs> menu, just trying to explore it. It does become an experience. And I think you nailed it uh, when you said it's kind of like a game almost trying to find it all. I just pulled it up on Amazon because I wanted to see if it was, you know, in stock there. So I can put a link in the show notes of people and all that. And well, I did make it directly from something weird. We always have it in stock. Excellent. Well, I was going to say on my Amazon page, when I pull it up and pull up my Amazon account, it tells me I've bought this DVD three times over the years. Uh, because I keep giving it away as gifts, you know? I give it away to it's people. It's the best gift. Yeah. And the whole sure. family can watch it, too. I mean, like, that's the one, like, most something weird stuff, like, they're, oh. you know, you can't really show your kids. And no. no. Like, <laughs> your grandma can watch it, your little kids, everybody. The movie itself is part of that package, that Monster Scratch, the pajama party, is like, what, 30 minutes long? And it was what set up so the monsters would come out and attack the audience at some point. Is that the gimmick on yeah, that? Yeah, but they would do a blackout in the middle of the movie. Okay. And they would say that the monsters were coming out. And if you were watching this in the theater, that's when the you know people in the you know, the guys in the gorilla suits and you know, the Frankenstein monster and the werewolf and usually a scary vampire lady would you know come out and menace the audience. And usually there was a plant. And like I was going to say, like, that's the one thing that dated back to the original uh, magician bit, is that there were plants in the audience for that. Yeah. So the gorilla would go and, like, you know, pick up the girl and drag her off into the, you know, this, <laughs> either on stage or off to the side or whatever. So you want to get knifed by the, the girl. It was mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the plant would also be obviously be wearing the same clothes as the woman that appears back into the movie. So yeah, that is there's, there's a nice continuity at least. You well, know? Not always. I don't think well, yeah, but you know. Cared at all. <laughs> Anybody that was paying Well, attention. usually the plant was someone outside that they would just let in for free if they did this. Sure. Know? 
they didn't travel with a troop of. Clients. Oh no, they used, they used to hire people all the time. I mean, nurses to with yeah, uh, they just had a know, life insurance policies and kids exactly. to dress up like monsters. You know, roaming through the streets with picket signs saying, "You know, Karakum is unfair to monsters." And <laughs> <laughs> the only different guy I, that there's a huge curiosity about is Ness, who um, I think was. Uh, a step above a lot of the other guys and, and was... Oh, he definitely had higher budget shows. There was comic books about him and, and a lot of other stuff where I think people... Someone was... Either he was more popular or someone uh, was behind him trying to make him more popular as a viable entertainment thing as opposed to the other spook show stuff was a little bit like on the underground side of entertainment well he was you know he was he was neff was probably a more uh, accomplished magician than a lot of these guys too and he went around the world he did exactly one. so it's like you know there's there's actually a, um a neff book that's out yeah, of gorgeous that's a gorgeous gorgeous and book. it's stupid money i've been trying to find a copy of it for a while and it's like for you know at least affordable and uh I, it, I bought it when it came out luckily yeah and I, it was when I had a brand new puppy, and the first thing he did was chew the corner off of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. And the yeah. last thing he ever did. And the last thing he ever did. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last so thing he back- ever did wrong. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Get back to the DVD. I mean, that definitely introduced a lot of people to what spook shows were. Sure. And with that, we were able to do some spook shows out on the road with something weird. So a few times we really yeah, we, wow yeah yeah um, well on at least three different occasions. But um, in, the, in the in the classic sense of spook shows and most things that are amazing, even no matter what year it was, they were not filmed. I bet. No, well, well, well this is a funny <laughs> story. Okay, so we did some in Scandinavia. And those went over really, really well. I mean, wow. I got to be the nurse and hand out faint pills. And, you know, we, we brought our own costumes. So whatever city we were in, we'd get our, you know, our gorilla and our monsters. We even brought the Aztec mummy over for that one. Oh, wow. So people had to wear that decrepit costume. Um, but in 2008, we did a spook show in Boston at the Somerville Theater with the Black Cat Burlesque Troupe. And it was called Spookadelia. And they kind of brought a more contemporary, like, I wouldn't say contemporary, but it, like, you know, the burlesque theme to spook show stuff. But we still did like the regular gimmicks because we did show Monsters Crash and a you know, gorilla ran out of the, off the stage and grabbed me. I was the plant. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, as usual. I also like to wear the gorilla suit, but I'm kind of not very intimidating. So, some <laughs> little tiny little monkey <laughs> running around. Monkey. So. Foot one monkey coming at you. Yeah. So, but the thing was, we this was going to be the beginning of what we were going to do a spook show documentary, and this was after the DVD had come out. So we had Frank Henenlotter come up with us, and he had a cameraman, and we filmed the whole thing, and then you know we just never did anything with it. Mike got sick, and so yeah, it's just film footage that maybe someday we'll like. Oh, you do you, have footage. Oh. Yeah. I don't so. know why I've never asked you that. <laughs> oh, wow. I have some footage of a 2008 spook show, but I also have heard that there are people kind of reviving it in their own ways. So Yeah, but... Mm, it's not the same, I know. There's nothing really uh, kind of... I'm sorry, all you spooky people out there, spook show wannabe, what, <laughs> what about that? But I don't... It's not... I don't get it. 
Sorry. Well, <laughs> well, it's part of it too. Just kind of the movie theater industry as well. That everything's owned by a big corporate, you know, entity. And and like how I was saying well, earlier, these theaters are, you know, they're all megaplexes now, and they don't have nearly as many people seats. And it's just they're all kind of yeah. sanitary but and like generic. John, like John Waters, you know, says it all. You know, you just you can't make an exploitation movie or an early John Waters movie or anything like that because of irony. There was no irony in any of this stuff it was honest to goodness for real show business they weren't trying to be ironic like you know sure like hipster ironic you know they were just doing what they knew and it <laughs> how to make a buck huh? and they didn't know <laughs> you know that's You're really what it comes down to it was just a sincere you know, like you said, yeah. show trying to make a buck here too, and without the laughs and the jokes and the ha ha, did you see that? You know, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, totally get can't, that. You can't do that now. You just can't. Do, do any of you see a connection between what the people that were doing spook shows were doing and what like horror hosts were doing in the sixties and seventies and and even oh, now? Oh yeah, Absolutely. a lot of the spook yeah. shows were done by horror hosts. Yeah, the Mad Daddy, which is not the Mad Daddy, the DJ, but there was another Mad Daddy and Nita, N I T A. That was the first, and probably the most, even now, the most re-seen uh, movie ad that I, I have always seen is that ad. But uh, there's a few horror hosts that did uh, spook shows that they didn't do. I don't know if they actually did the shows or if they presented the shows. Uh, well, they made appearances yeah. at things like that. I think as well. Yeah. You know, speaking about Monster Kid, I mean, if you want to come down, if you look at what was happening with spook shows in the late 50s through the mid to late 60s, I mean, that falls into that whole Monster Kid time period Sure. as sure. well. And, and definitely, I think they were a lot more high profile in some ways because of that. Or, or, or were able to use, I, I think, things that were more in the popular culture. I mean, like, I always look at, like, that time period as, like, well, we all do. It, it was the best. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I think we were, I was yeah. trying to appreciate it. My older brother had the Aurora models and uh, used to terrorize me with them since I was only like two or three years old, but <laughs> nonetheless. I still have them. My father would paint them and I still have them all. It's crazy. All those models and all that stuff. And, and even though the world was changing, the innocence uh, was still there. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, even with music, you know, it's the same kind of thing. You could, you can see it in everything in the culture then, you know, like around 1966. Whatever happened into 1967, everything changed. You know, music got psychedelic and, and smarty pants and hippie and ugly and, you know, overblown and stupid. And, you know, that whole, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> that whole... Uh, what do you really think about it? Right. <laughs> You know, but that whole teenage brat rock, you know, like great kind of the thing that made it made rock and roll. You know, the thing that made all of these things is, is the two sidedness of it. There was the innocence uh, portrayed to the public and and the dirty dark side that existed underneath it that was not portrayed to the public. And that kind of two faced um identity when the dark side was brought forward around 1967 because no one cared about anything anymore 
and you know everyone took acid and their minds were blown and they acted crazy and everything hair got longer and people gave up trying to control stuff it didn't matter anymore so the, the game was over so, so heavy man <laughs> <laughs> thanks for bringing everything down howie so I mean I I think up until the mid sixties the kids and, and everything were, were still willing to go to the spook show and believe in that kind of fun without wanting to hurt it. You know what I mean? There is an escapism to all of these, you know, monster movies from that era that we all just I mean, I, I love it. I cling to it. I, I I think some of the best monster movies ever came from the thirties from Universal, but the fifties there were so much great stuff coming out it was just kind of escapist in some ways and I, I would be willing to bet a spook show would just be like the ultimate escape from from everything going on because yeah it just sounds crazy you know, yes of course the universal movies were sure. the greatest and incredible but you can't you can't unless you know you're well versed in what actually is good you can't really enjoy what people call bad which is not bad at all really you know what I mean? There's these people now, like, with everything I was just talking about, music and movies and all this stuff, and they think they can just learn it all in, like, a week and then make fun of it. Sure. When we're not making fun of it. We we're love celebrating it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And th- they don't even get that. You know, when people, sometimes people come on the Something Weird page and be like, this is the worst crap I've ever seen. I love it. And it's not... It's not, or else it wouldn't be on DVD and we wouldn't be watching it over and over again. If it was not entertaining, no one would want to know anything about it. But also all of these things are like time capsules. You know, this book shows a great example of that. And you're talking about horror movies in the 50s. Like, they were actually really just starting to make horror movies for teenagers and, like, not really adults or anything. So they knew that, like, there was an audience for that kind of stuff. So... I think that had a lot to do with that whole thing becoming part of the spook shows as well. And growing. People people think TV killed all that stuff, but TV made that happen. I mean, I think about all the amazing, like, monster and horror-themed songs that started coming out in the late 50s and influenced so much (laughs) rock and roll in the early 60s. I mean, you know, that's why there's so many horror music compilations out there. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm pulling together right now for the next few weeks. Nice. Speaking of pulling material together for a CD, ah, uh-huh. you like that segue? Uh, <laughs> there is a new CD out from Something Weird, and I want to talk about it. I want people to know what's going on. It's a Spook Show compilation. It's a Spook Show on a disc. Can you tell me a little bit about what went into making that or why you even put it together, Lisa? I started working with Modern Harmonic, which is part of Sunday's music, about two, three years ago. And the first project Howie and I did was a Something Weird Greatest Hits album with them. And it was a double album of like, you know, obviously the most beloved songs from the Something Weird archive. And they wanted to start doing some other projects. And we began by doing a few like uh, feature film soundtracks, but they're like, well, you know, what, what's the next compilation kind of thing going to be? You know, they wanted to do a volume two. And I'm like, well, an easier thing would be for us to just do a spook show record. I say, cause it's all you know, pretty much in the can. I just need to isolate all of the best sound bites and, you know, radio promos as well as the coming attractions and come up with like two sides. So 
I did that and I had like um, there's a guy named Max Brody who works for me. He was in the band ministry and he's been working at something weird for about a year and a half and he does basic sound engineering. So I handed him like every single DVD source and tape source and whatever. I'm like, just isolate it all. So after listening to it for like two months, I picked out, you know, the ones that sounded the best, but also um, kind of gave you a really good overview. But there was just something about it that was not enough. I mean, yeah, these things are great to listen to, but I didn't want it to be like a novelty record where like, oh, you listen to it once or twice and that's it. Most people are not insane enough. Yeah, as us. <laughs> they could actually sit through that whole thing for no reason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe play play on Halloween out the window or something, but not not as a thing to throw in the car. Yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be more than that, and also just kind of like be like a little time capsule, an audio one. I should also say that you know, Mike and I had been talking about doing records for years before he passed away, and because we're always so busy, we never really got around to pursuing these projects. And this was something that I knew that he would want to see done. And, you know, obviously I have I mean a huge personal love for spook shows and everything associated with it. For me, like a lot of these projects are labors of love and cause I don't have the time to be doing this. I mean, I'm running a business, but I make the time because I mean, I think people are going to dig it. And obviously you know, this thing has just come out and we're getting really, really good response from it. So anyway, um, this is where, Howie comes back into the picture. He and another one of our record collecting pals, Kogar the Swinging Ape. I said to them, we need some like instrumental horror music, but I don't want stuff that's been like comped to death or like it's been out there or let's just try to, you know, find some really, really obscure ones. My specialty in the world is these records and I have all the original 45s and some of them are worth upwards of a thousand dollars and they're very, very rare, a lot of them. And um, I've been collecting them since I was literally eight or nine years old. You know, I'd go to garage sales and stuff with my parents, and I was a monster maniac even at six or seven, and, and I would just look for things that had monstery sounding names, you know what I mean? And, and that's how I came across all this kind of stuff. And then in the 70s, when I was older, and I met people like the Cramps, and I realized I wasn't the only person... It was a very common thread in the punk rock, in the first wave punk rock era, uh, this kind of music, these horror records and stuff. There's so many. I mean, like, it's kind of like if you just start scratching the surface, I mean, obviously people know, like, some of the obvious ones like Monster Mash or even, like, if you're going to do garage rock, like the, the Witch or something. Once you get beyond a certain level, like, and dig deep, there's so many, like, small regional bands that, like, had one hit, wasn't even a hit, it was, like, a hit for them, um, and being able to find stuff like that to kind of insert into You know, the, like, a lot of kids like, when they made a record, their father paid for it, they printed up 400 copies and gave them out at the high school dance or at the Halloween party, in this case, or, or something like that, and that was very common back then because there was tons of local studios and everything was was regional and local so very few of these survived because of kids and parties and throwing them around and whatever and and they're, and they're really rare so um i have at like four or five hundred 45s and you know some of them have never no one knows about you know and, and it's just the way it is we uh 
started going through the records. Yeah, we came up with one list, and then I just went through it and looked up, okay, is this is out there already? And there's some really great songs that we just couldn't use, or just I didn't want to use stuff that's already out there. It became almost easier in a way, because, you know, we completely cleared out an entire ton of stuff that even sort of was known, and we tried to uh, keep it as obscure as possible, but also as danceable as possible and as good as possible. So Yeah, I mean, we wanted it to be a party record. I mean, that's, I <laughs> and that, that is what it had now be, has become. You know, it's, it's like a true party record that you could have on and dance to and listen to and play in the car and, and yeah. everything we wanted it to be instead of just like a weird artifact. Yeah, and it makes you happy when you hear it. Yeah, (laughs) very. All year long, every day is Halloween for so many people. Um, There's such a a huge, huge audience now for all of this that uh, it's a little industry of its own. Yeah, we're fortunate, too, that um, Modern Harmonic had a couple of tracks already in their library that were very obscure and, like, buried in some of their own comps. was on a surf comp, and the other one was on an EP from Oscar and the Majestic. So having those two tracks on the record too, it just yeah, makes it. I was really glad about that. They had just sent me that 10 uh, inch uh, record, the Oscar and the Majestic. Oh my God. That's like one of my new favorites. And um, I have a couple of singles, but I did not have the horror one. So I was going crazy over that. Maybe that was one of the unreleased. It songs. was unreleased. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I didn't have it. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect nobody's heard it before so that's one off the list (laughs) you know that was you know but uh it was hard it was a tough pick you know because uh there's lots more oh yeah you could be doing this forever (laughs) but uh might be (laughs) no well in the meantime like the other thing that uh, modern harmonic does is they usually include a dvd along Mm -hmm. with the LP. So like this came out in a red vinyl LP and it came out on CD. And what we did was we took some of the like best clips from Monsters Crash, the Pajama Party, Spook Show, Spectacular DVD. But also there was a bunch of stuff that came out after that that ended yeah. up on like other compilations, like either intermission times or weird world of weird. Yeah, exactly. So we added those to this DVD and there's also like, you know, a cute little nudie cutie short at the end, too, so that we synced up to one of the songs and just kind of just make it a little bit different from the other DVD, obviously. And one of the great things is that you can put on your record and you can just put the DVD on, on the back with no sound. And it's, just you know, perfect fodder. It's perfect for your mother, too. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so um, oh. I'm, I'm really I couldn't be happier with how it came out. And like I said, it was supposed to. Be officially released on October 25th. We got a little bit held up this summer because I really wanted to do like a, a Friday the 13th September release. But oh, okay. Somebody, it was me, it wasn't you this time, Howie, um, didn't finish their liner notes in time. So uh, <laughs> anyway, it got pushed up a little bit. And there's also like a zine that comes with the LP that's got an essay by Howie and by Kogar and myself. So we kind of just go into a lot of the ideas. And into it, I tell the story of the spook master, Jim Rignauer. Yes. He showed up at my house one day in the 80s and all the weird adventures I had with him. (laughs) Howie's new best friend at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were telling me before we started recording, uh, Lisa, that 
it sold out already? Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, I found out last week. So, okay. So anyway, it was supposed to come out on the 25th and then, um, I guess they got everything in on time. So they started shipping them out about a week ago and some people have already gotten it and it's getting really Not good. So, I know poor <laughs> Howie and Kogar haven't even gotten their copies yet. Well, like I said, I only got mine two days ago, so we'll get one in your hot little hand by next week. So it's on Sunday's website. Is that right? Or are you selling it through something well, it's, weird? Yeah, it's, you can the um, Sunday's website, yeah, yeah. But right now it's sold out on the on my. It's, you can either go to Sunday's Music or you can go to um, modernharmonic.com where okay. it's sold out. But on somethingweird.com, I've got some in stock. Okay, not a lot. That sounds something weird. I, it's the only place you can get it, I guess. Right now, well, other than you know, some retailers picked it up for their stores. Oh too. yeah. Oh yeah. You and, digitally, it's digitally downloadable too, right, Lisa? And yeah, well, you guys know more about that than I do. This, it's on Bandcamp, right? Yeah, so I, I do show that uh, Something Weird's got a Bandcamp page, so you can get it there. And it looks like you can also order it off Amazon, of course. But if you can go straight to Something Weird or one of their partners on this, it's probably better for Something Weird overall in the end. Oh, they, get a, they get a bigger <laughs> cut. Um, but I'll make sure there's links to everything in the show notes so people can check it out. I've listened to it. Uh, I've watched the DVD. And I can say, you know, I think I said this at the beginning of this, I've heard a lot of these ads before. Not all of them, but I've heard a lot of them before. But there's just something better, more clear. I don't know if they're more clear. They've been worked on. Yes, they have been worked on. The people at Sundays that run it are audiophiles. is the sound engineer, yeah. Yeah. They they restore stuff the way, you know, all these uh, DVD companies restore movies. So it's like. It's wizardry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I send them, you know, the only known copy of a record to use on this thing that looks like someone ice skated on it and it comes back and you can hear it on the CD. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect, you know. As a sound guy, I'm, I'm very kind of sensitive to that. You know, I do a lot of sound work as well and just hearing it almost the way that I'm sure people heard it when they first put these things out. It's just something special, and it takes you right back. Like I said, I'm not old enough to have seen these things when they first ran, but man, I, I feel like almost I'm right there, you know? Just the way they sound, there's a sense memory that, that somehow awakens within me when I hear the CD. Aww. I really <laughs> dig it. I really dig it. Monster Kid Radio approves, man. It's good stuff. The other amazing thing that I haven't tried yet, but something weird, Modern Harmonic soundtrack records come with the movie also on a dvd um, yes yeah, some of the other ones so we put out space Bang, mr peter's pets date bait and high school caesar and it's a revolution mother just so listeners know some of the titles that lisa just mentioned not necessarily monster kid friendly just just putting that out there as a disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, definitely, definitely yeah, nsfw these juvenile delinquent films are an, uh, adjacent. yeah those are those are all family friendly yeah but uh but but yeah, yeah but space thing. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned space things like i watched the trailer on that i don't okay yeah not space thing <laughs> Well, like I said, links in the show notes so people can get their hands on it. And I'd love to give you guys an opportunity to talk about anything that's coming up next. What's next for Something Weird Video? Oh, God. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, mostly, I mean, I've been partnering with some other video labels since Mike passed away. And um, we kind of made a conscious decision that, like, kind of passing the baton a little bit, but I'm still 
you know, very much actively involved with something weird, but I'm letting other people do restorations of films now. So okay. we've been working with um, a company called Agfa, which is America's genre film archive. Also been doing stuff with a lot of pretty well-known video labels like Severin Films and Kino Lorber and Pop Cinema, which is alternative cinema, the film detective. Um, there's just stuff in the pipeline from now for years to come of restorations of something weird movies. The Agfa collaborations. I have God Monster of Indian Flats, and despite all the problems with that movie, I still love it, and it makes me smile, and I have a good Great time watching power, it. Huh? Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> watching the Blu-ray, seeing it as cleaned up as it is, it, it's a whole different movie than what I'm used to seeing. So I can, again, speak to the quality of that, too. So, yeah. It's nice to see these things getting infused with new life as well, because a lot of the partners that I'm working with, in some cases, they're, you know, a younger generation, and they have different ideas about, like, how to present this stuff. I mean, we're dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, we do it the right way, but, I mean, it's cool to see how other people interpret it. Yeah, We do it the right Okay, okay. <laughs> It's fun to see how other people interpret it the wrong way. There you go. There you go. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just different. That's just me being me. <laughs> Do you have anything coming up, Howie, you want to let listeners know about? Well, I have my radio show, Intoxica Radio, that's on luxuriamusic.com, but there's also a, an archive on podomatic.com. You can find if you typed in uh, Intoxica with Howie Pyro. And it's very Monster Kid oriented i've been doing it for 14 years it's wow. uh started on halloween 14 years ago this will be my 14th anniversary coming up um always monster stuff you know ads for horror movies in between the songs and all kinds of weirdness and it's like a spook show dvd every week but a rock and roll uh super obscure rock and roll records like the kind that we've been talking about Right on. And we'll be doing some, uh, like, the next volume of the Something Weird Greatest Hits album in the next year. Oh, wow. Something. Great. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, there's and, a whole um, bunch of other movies in the um, movie soundtracks in the pipeline as well. Oh, and a man. book, perhaps. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, way down the road, I'm going to start getting into publishing and stuff. But I should also mention about the Spook Show thing is that um, the original film elements that we had, the 35 millimeters, are all down at Agfa now. And they're just um, being stored there for safety to be preserved. So in the next year, those guys are going to do like probably a two or four K restoration on all of the Spook Show stuff, and then oh wow, do theatrical with it in 2020. Wow, man, that sounds amazing. Please keep us all posted about that. That would be a blast. A shell. Oh, fantastic! And 2020 is going to be the 30th anniversary of something weird. Oh, well, congratulations. Wow. That's amazing. You guys have been doing some good work over the years. I'm going to tell you, I've got many, many DVDs of yours in my collection here. Thank you. Mark, what's going on with the store these days? Huh? What? What's going on with the store? What? Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I just I dozed off there for a second. I was sitting here listening to the Howie and Lisa show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. No, I just, I didn't have anything to, I was like, they're covering the bases, man. This is awesome. I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. Just, you know, slinging plastic like I always have, man. Okay. Getting ready for the holidays. I know. We're getting into the busy season for you, I'm sure, right? It is. Yes, it is. Excellent. Well, uh, I appreciate your support of the show, Mark, with your segments that you contribute and everything you've done for Monster Kid Radio. And Howie and Lisa, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad Lisa texted me because I figured that my thing would ring, but it didn't. Nah, we got you <laughs> in, man. Thanks, And we got to look at you the whole time, Howie. 
You look like you just. <laughs> I look awful. I just woke up. <laughs> Huge thanks to Lisa, Howie, and Mark for making this conversation happen and spending some time with me here on Monster Kid Radio to talk about spook shows. So, the new release, the new album, the Spook Show Spectacular A Go Go. You can get it as an LP vinyl in a few different places. One of those places is Modern Harmonic over at modernharmonic.com. Or you can find it over at Sundazed Music. That's at sundazed.com. I'll make sure there are links in the show notes. Now, if you buy the LP from them, you do get the accompanying DVD. Or you can buy it as a CD DVD set directly from Something Weird Video as well. And that's over at somethingweird.com. Heads up. You know, in the conversation when we were talking about some of the trailers not necessarily being monster kid friendly, something weird carries a lot of stuff that's not necessarily monster kid friendly. So you just know that if you start exploring their website, you might come across some stuff that, well, again, not really monster kid stuff. But what I'll do is I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes that'll take you straight to something weird videos listing for the CD so you can pick it up that way. You can also find it on Amazon. I'll make sure it's in the Amazon affiliate section of the show notes and over on Bandcamp over at somethingweirdvideo.bandcamp.com. All the links will be there right next to the link that'll take you to Intoxica Radio. That is the show that Howie Pyro does. And, you know, since chatting with him, I started checking out a few of the episodes and yeah, it's a pretty good show. You know, the music's pretty fun. So go check that out at Intoxica Radio. And then, of course, Mark Peterson, he's here on the show every other week, taking us to Dr. Tongue's world of monster collectibles. If you don't know anything about what Dr. Tongue does, well, here's this. Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street, vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. Buried alive in each man is a strange, depraved creature that turns the soul into a battleground of sin and violence, turning life into an inferno. In Dr. Henry Jekyll's this knowledge, perhaps it was his quiet ways, his unloving wife, his simple, homely face that drove him to unleash this inner presence. This was Jekyll's inferno. Dr. Jekyll gave life to the unspeakable evil of Mr. Hyde. Rich, handsome, decadent Mr. Hyde erupted to spew adultery, viciousness, murder in the greatest macabre spectacle of all time. American International Pictures presents a fascinating new Dr. Jekyll, a terrifying new Mr. Hyde. Robert Louis Stevenson's study in terrifying evil. Jekyll's Inferno. In color and megascope. Beware the Astro Zombies. They mutilate, they torture, they kill. Spine-tingling horror, unspeakable shock, and breathless excitement will grip you as you watch living organs ripped from the bodies of voluptuous females as beating hearts and throbbing brains are transplanted to create the Astro Zombies. Cringe in terror, scream in fright as these skull-faced monsters strike blindly at living flesh and the motion picture screen flows in the blood-drenched wake of the Astro Zombies. The beautiful voluptuous 
voluptuous, deadly, vicious Satana, a woman who would stop at nothing to gain control over the Astro Zombies, whose creed was kill, kill, kill. John Carradine as the deranged scientist, Wendell Corey as the doctor who opposes him, match wits in this bloody, sadistic, terror-filled, suspense-laden horror film of brutal mutilations and senseless killings as the Astro Zombies go berserk and threaten a city with death. Watch it and you die a thousand deaths. The Astro Zombies in color coming soon to your local theater. A real dead body is given away to some lucky person at every performance. This was a really fun episode. Everything from Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. And yeah, I'm actually surprised I haven't talked about 13 Ghosts proper here on the show. And we'll get back to 13 Ghosts here in a moment. And Professor Frenzy's bedtime story, he keeps picking out really cool tales to share with us. And, you know, anytime you can get a, a different take on the Frankenstein story, I'm all in. So that was pretty cool, too. So big thanks to Kenny and Professor Frenzy for being part of the show this week. And again, thank you to Lisa, Howie, and Mark. You guys and gal made this show awesome this week. So I mentioned 13 Ghosts a second ago. 13 Ghosts was one of the movies that we showed in last year's Halloween Virtual Crash. And speaking of virtual crashes, uh, that was kind of an awkward segue. Are you going to join us this year for the Halloween event of, well, Halloween? It's the Monster Kid Radio Halloween Monster Movie Marathon Watch Along on Twitch. What you want to do is go over to www.twitch.tv slash Monster Kid Radio because on Halloween Day, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, we're going to kick off 13 hours of monster movie madness. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have picked out what I think are some pretty cool movies, including... House of the Gorgon from our friend Joshua Kennedy and Queen of Snakes from our friend Christopher R. Mim. These are two movies that came out this year. If you don't know what Josh and Chris do, these are guys who make movies in the mold of classic monster cinema. Josh takes a lot of influences from Hammer and Chris takes a lot of influences from 50s sci-fi. And coincidentally, they both made movies that had to do with snakes. So it was the year of the snakes this year in the Monster Conservancy. Chris, Josh, and I are all members of the Conservancy. You can learn more about the Conservancy by going over to SaveMonsters.com. But go there after you've gone to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. I am still figuring out all the bells and whistles when it comes to Twitch. I know you can send friend requests to people. And, well, if you want to send me a friend request over there, just look up Monster Kid Radio. And I will approve that because I would love to have you on board as a Twitch friend. And you have until Halloween to do that. Here's the cool thing about Twitch. There's a chat room. So while we're watching movies all day long, there will be an ongoing chat. And I'm going to be there for almost all. All of it might step away for a break here and there, you know, food, bathroom, whatever. But I will be there all day with you on Halloween watching this year's Monster Kid Radio Halloween Monster Movie Marathon Watch Along on Twitch. Stay tuned for more information about what movies you can expect. But uh, here's a hint. Some of these movies that I'm going to be showing, they do not drink wine. Before Halloween, if you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, on Saturday, October 19th, the Hollywood Theater is showing The Uninvited. And, I mean, they're showing a 35mm print of this thing. I, I gotta go. 
I got to see it at the Hollywood on the 19th at 2 p.m. And uh, there's talk with Chris McMillan and Dominique Lamsey's old friends of the show who are going to be there as well. If you're going to be in the area, you want to go check a movie out, I'd love to meet you. I'm the big guy with the Hawaiian shirt. It looks like he's having the most fun in the room. You know how it goes. The reason I'll be wearing a Hawaiian shirt is because I don't think the T-shirt that I ordered from Public will be here in time. Monster Kid Radio has a Public shop. And as of this recording, things are th- up to 35% off over there. And if you pop over there, you'll see the brand new T-shirt design that I uploaded this week in honor of this week's topic. It's the Monster Kid Radio Spook Show poster. You can see what the graphic is just by looking at the episode image of this week's episode. Or, again, just hop over to our Tee Public shop. There will be a link in the show notes, as well as links to everything that you can pick up on Amazon that we've talked about in this week's episode of MKR. We are an Amazon affiliate, so anytime you buy anything following any of these links, we get a little bit of scratch kicked back to us, and it really helps the show out. I feel like I'm forgetting a couple of things that are going to be happening between this week's episode and, oh, hey, I know what I'm forgetting. It's the Joy Cinemas Scarathon happening on October 26th. Jeff Punk Rock Martin puts together five movies and shows them all day long the Saturday before Halloween. And this year he is showing Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein at one o'clock. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman at three o'clock. Brides of Dracula at five o'clock. Plan nine from outer space at seven o'clock. And then the original Fright Night at 9 p.m. Head over to thejoycinema.com to learn more about that. You can buy a daily pass or you can buy tickets for each individual film. I'm going to be there. Introducing the films, we're going to have a table set up in the lobby. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be an awesome thing. I hope to see you there. And again, Hawaiian shirt. Unless I get my Tee Public shirt in time. Eh, whatever. Anyway, I think that's it. But if there is anything else coming up between now and Halloween, I'll make sure I post it on our Facebook page and in our Facebook group. And then maybe even on the Monster Kid Radio Twitter. You can find links to all of these on our website over at monsterkidradio.net. You can also find our contact information. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. And I know last week I said that Brenda may be joining us this time around to go over some feedback and maybe even talk a little bit about the Wolfman, which we talked about last week. But, um... Uh, it's not happening this time around. Uh, she's got some stuff going on that she's got to get ready for actually going out of town. So yeah, just, just not time to sit down to watch the Wolfman and record about it. But maybe when she gets back, we can knock it out. Either way, I do have all of your feedback and we will be getting to it. So it, it's here. It's important to me. And it means a lot that you guys and gals want to communicate with the show. So just please bear with me. What's coming up next week on the show? Well, if you watched the YouTube video over at the creatively named Monster Kid Radio on YouTube YouTube channel, you'll see that there's a video that I put up showing the topics of all five episodes of Monster Kid Radio this month. No spoilers, but I did embed the YouTube video in the show notes at monsterkidradio.net. Check it out. I'll also make sure there are links to Something Weird Video's Bandcamp page so you can hear the music that I'm playing in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Like the song Transylvania by the Mysterians. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories is copyright Jerry Green, 2019. And everything that you're hearing from the Spook Show Spectacular A Go-Go 
That belongs to Something Weird Video. You can check them out at somethingweirdvideo.bandcamp.com and pick up the album for yourself. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name's Sarah Kim Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao. (laughs) 